Welcome to the Bill Cartwright Show with our special guest, USF alum, coach, Dan Bawalami. Dan, welcome to the show. Well, I'm glad to be with you, Bill. Good, good to be here. You know, I, I want everybody to come to know you really quickly. Can you talk about where you grew up? And I want you to talk a little bit about your mom and dad. Okay. Uh, I grew up in San Francisco, uh, you know, born and raised in the city. Uh, and, you know, we're talking a long, long time ago uh, when the city was certainly, uh, you know, it was, it was a great place to grow up. Uh, uh, I grew up in the avenues in, uh, uh, in, in the Richmond district of San Francisco. Uh, my mom and dad, uh, my dad was a lot older than my mom. He was a butcher uh, by trade. Uh, he came over years and years ago through Ellis Island, uh, migrated from Italy, uh, met my wife, met my mother, who was from Erie, Pennsylvania. They, you know, married for, uh, you know, 60 years. And, uh, you know, I, I had a, a really good childhood. So, uh, Went to a French grammar school in uh, in San Francisco called Notre Dame de Victoire, and in those years, even when you were you know eight, nine, ten years old, I, I even in fact younger than that, I remember at seven years old getting on a bus and going all the way down, transferring twice, and it's all the way down on Pine Street in San Francisco. So uh, that was my upbringing. Um, in fact, Bill, interesting enough, I lived. Uh, my my first before we moved out to the Richmond district, I lived on Parsons Street, and Parsons Street is right around the block from the Corret Center, which used to be, by the way, as you know, uh, Saint Ignatius High School, where I went to high school. And um, so, I used to go to all the USF football games. That that shows you my age. But I remember my next door neighbor um, loved football. And we would walk through Golden Gate Park and go all the way down to Keysar Stadium. It wasn't, it was, wasn't that far. You know, you just walk maybe, you know, a, a half a mile, a quarter of a mile. And he used to take me and I used to sit in the stands. And I remember in 1951, uh, right around that time, watching, uh, you know, I was a little kid at that time. I, 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 I you know, wasn't very old. But I remember watching USF play against the, uh, they played the Marine, Quantico Marines. They played Fordham. They, I mean, the teams that came in. And in fact, you know, I used to have all the old programs. And of course, you know, I, I kept them for a while and then we threw them all out. But it would have been great to have those programs with, you know, Marchetti and Ollie Matson and Ed Brown and all the great, great um USF players, Burl Toller was on that team. Um, and I have vivid memories of that, you know, going to USF games and watching football and then living through, uh, uh, you know, the Casey Jones Russell parade in San Francisco when they won the NCAA championship. So, so that was kind of my upbringing. You know, I always probably like, like you, but maybe not quite because, you know, <laughs> You were certainly in a class by yourself in terms of talent. But in my years, we used to go to the park and play basketball. We used to play with the iron nets and you go out there and, and that's what I did like every day. We would go to the park, a playground, and there would be all kinds of three-on-three -three games. And you that's what you did. 
You, you, you play, you know, from nine in the morning until six at night. We did it like every single day. Uh, the, I used to look forward to the weekends because that's when all people would come in from other areas. And we had a park that was kind of known for basketball. And, and uh, you know, I, I did get better doing that. But that, that, that was my early years. So that's a quick summation. <laughs> So talk about a little bit about what kind of kid were you in high school? Were you an academic kid? Were you a sports kid? Uh, what, what did you like to do? Uh, I was a sports kid. Uh, in fact, interesting enough, um, I think I'm lighter now than I was when I was in high school. I was pudgy, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, you know, in those years, I didn't it, it didn't really sink in that you had to really get in shape to play basketball. I mean, it always came naturally to me, but I was not an academic guy. I mean, I got by, I mean, I, I, I got by in college. I became more of an academic person than in high school because I had to. And, and, it, you know, I grew up a little bit and realized that, you know, I got to buckle down because if I don't buckle down, I won't be around. So, uh, but in high school, uh, you know, it, it was it was basketball for me. And then, you know, played a little bit of football, not much, played a little bit of baseball because when I grew up, we played all three sports. Uh, that, that's what we did. You know, you go from one sport to another sport to another sport. And uh, I, I really enjoyed high school. I went to high school at St. Ignatius, the old St. Ignatius, uh, which was all boys. And it was uh, right at the correct center, right where that's, that's where it is. So uh, it, it, I had fond memories of that. And, and uh, that was basically it. And after that, I uh, got lucky enough to, to go to USF. Uh, and quite frankly, Bill, didn't really play very well my last year in high school. I thought my first couple of years, I played better, but you know, I never had any real, any real offers. But I, I, I kind of walked on at USF and then Ross Judici after my freshman year, I had a good freshman year, put me on a scholarship for, uh, uh, at that time. So, uh, you know, my parents were very thankful, even though it wasn't really super expensive to go to college like it is now. But still, even in those years, uh, my, my mom and dad kind of realized that it didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> it's a pretty good deal. So that, that's kind of a quick summation. Now, as you're at USF, talk about, um, talk about your coaches. You mentioned one. And talk about some of the guys who were there. Yeah, so my in those years, uh, freshman year, uh, you know, they had, obviously they had a freshman team. Uh, they disbanded that and later, but when I when I was going in the '60s, uh, the freshman team was a big deal. That that was a there were like iconic games between Santa Clara and USF and and uh, the, the freshman teams. And in fact, if you remember, Bill, and I'm sure you do, even when uh, when UCLA had their you know, when, when Jabari, Lou Alcindor, uh, Kareem, when he was at, at the UCLA, the freshman team beat the varsity, and the varsity had won the NCAA championship. So freshman games would, would be uh, highly interesting to fans, and they would, they would come in and, and watch all those games, and it was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. So Ross Judici was the freshman coach. Uh, uh, Ross, uh, I thought, really got the best out of me. He just let me go. He just said, here, handle the ball, go, and, and make everybody else better. That's right. And I got in shape. I think that was a big, big, big deal, Bill, because I'd never really 
in high school worked at it. But when I got to college, we did a lot of running and I lost weight and I, I, I got, you know, I'm never really quick, but I got quicker uh, for what it's worth. And it, it improved the ability to get around the floor. And, and I always had the ability to maybe pass the ball and see the floor. I could always do that and, and shoot. I, could, yeah, I was a decent shooter. No three-point shot, which for little guys like me uh, was, was a, a detriment. I wish they had the three-point shot and I wish they had the uh, shot clock, but they didn't. So then after that, um, after the freshman year, Pete Paletta uh, was the coach at USF. Uh, in fact, Pete passed away at a very young age. It was in his 40s when he passed away. It's really tragic. But um, Pete was a tremendous recruiter, uh, got USF back on the map in the 60s uh, in terms of going to the NCAA tournament. Went to the NCAA tournament like all the time. Um, I played on, on really good teams. We had uh, Ollie Johnson, uh, Joe Ellis, Erwin Muller, uh, Dave Lee. Russ Gamina, of course, Jim Berbelli, who was who was outstanding, uh, outstanding player uh, on that team. Uh, Dick Brainerd. Uh, I can go through a number of guys that um, that were really, really good players. I mean, at one point we had about ten guys that that were all really good. I don't think we lost a game at home in the years I was on the varsity. That three years, I don't think we ever got beat at home. Uh, went to the NCAA tournament every year. Um, really, one year uh, that we that we played in a tournament, uh, I thought our best team. I don't know. We won. I don't know. You know, we didn't lose many games that year. Um, maybe a couple, but we played UCLA when they had Hazard, Goodridge. They had a great UCLA team that was undefeated. We played them in Provo, and. Um, I think we had like a 10, 12 point lead. We were ahead at halftime um, and lost by four. And I thought that was, and then UCLA, of course, went on to win a national championship. That I thought had we had we won that game, that was the finals of the West Regional. Had we won that game, you know, we we I think we would have won the whole thing again. That that was our best team with uh Erwin Muller, who played in the NBA, Joe Ellis, Joe played guard. With with Bravelli, Gamina came off the bench, and that Bravelli and, and Ellis were the guards. And of course, Ollie Johnson was fantastic. He played center, Bill, but he's about six seven and a half, six eight. But he was really really effective with his back to the back to the basket. Dave Lee was a tremendous player. He played in the NBA, so we had a lot of guys from that team um, that went on to play professional basketball that were were really good. So. Um, those were great years, really, really. And, you know, Pete put that, Pete Paletta put, put all that together. Uh, and, and even uh, after I left, I left in 64, the 65 team was really a tremendous team. Uh, Jim Gravelli and I left, but Gamina played with Joe Ellis. And uh, I mean, they, they had a fantastic team at that time too. So, you know, there was a lot of rich tradition, a lot of fond memories of, uh, of basketball. So as you're leaving school um, and you're out to search for your first job, what are you thinking? And are you ready to move, have your first job? Yeah, so that, that's a really good question, Bill. Um, so my last year at uh, St. Ignatius, um, pardon me, my last year at USF, uh, 
kind of the word trickled down that St. Ignatius was looking for a, an assistant coach, you know, high school. They were looking for somebody to help out. And of course, in those years, if you taught in high school, a coach in high school, you had to teach. You couldn't, you just couldn't go and coach and not. So you had to be hired as a teacher. Um, so I was like 21 years old or 22. Now, the person they really wanted was Jim Ravelli. They asked about Ravelli, but, but, but at, at that time, I'm not sure what happened if Jim had a commitment someplace else or if he wanted to continue his, um, something happened. And, and I, 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 but they did ask if Jim was available. For some reason, I, I'd have to ask Jim, but he wasn't. So um, the coach came to me and said, would you be interested? And I, well, of course I never had, a, you know, getting a job was, a, <laughs> you know, I, I had summer jobs like everybody else, but I said, well, I guess I do have to get a job. I mean, I guess, I guess I'm out of school. So you have to earn some money. And uh, I ended up going to uh, interview and got the job. And I was, I, that, that's kind of how I started uh, coaching. And at that point I kind of decided, you know, that's what I really wanted to do. I was a history major. And uh, so they had me teach history. So if you can imagine you're 21 years old and the guys you're teaching are 17 years old. So they're, they're, you know, that was, that was a little, that was a little dicey, but you know, after a year or two, you kind of get through all that and, uh, and it, it, it all worked out. So, uh, but that, that's what happened. And, you know, kind of that realization of getting a job and making money and, um, and I really liked it. I, I liked uh, the, the coaching part of it. Teaching was fine. I enjoyed that. But the school was really special because I had gone there and I, I knew everything about the school. And the principal was, uh, you know, you didn't have to have a, it was a private school. So you, in those years, you didn't really have to have a teaching credential. If the private school, the principal wanted to hire you, he could just, he could just hire you. And, and that, that's what happened to me. So uh, then later on, I did get a credential. I kept going to school after, after college and, you know, went on to get a master's and, you know, just because I thought I'd stay in education uh, my whole life and it wasn't sure about coaching because you never know, you know, if you're going to move up or not move up, but I wanted to make sure I had a, a master's degree in case I stayed teaching, you know, you're in a, you're in a different pay level. So that, you know, that was kind of the mode in those years. That's what you did. And uh, that's how I ended up getting getting my first job. Can you talk about how? Um, because you ended up going back to USF. So how did that happen? Uh, that that was that was confusing. Uh, <laughs> uh, when I was in, yeah, very it it uh, kind of an interesting story. When I was in at um, at Saint Ignatius, after a couple of years, the word came down that. Uh, Phil Vukicevic ended up uh, getting getting the job. Who was when when uh, when Pete Paletta, uh, you know, passed basically. I mean, he was really ill. He was sick, you know, and and so Phil and the word that, that they were looking for an assistant coach, and um, and you know we had we had a, a couple of decent years at at, at SI coaching, and um, so that's kind of how it happened. Um, but that's not the interesting part. So I, I ended up going to, to USF and working um, 
for Phil. And I was like a fish out of water. I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I, I mean, in turn, you know, you had to recruit and do, I mean, it was just, I, there's no training course for it. Let's just, let's just put it that way. I mean, the coaching on the floor was fine. Uh, you know, what we, we had, uh, I remember we had Dennis Black and we had a lot, we had a lot of pretty good players. Not, we, we weren't close to winning a championship, you know, but we, we had some, some decent players and, you know, getting along with the players was no issue at all. That was fine. But um, the recruiting, the, the whole thing, uh, you know, it didn't click, you know, right away. So Phil, uh, after a couple of years, said, Dan, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to bring some other people in. So, so I, was, I was gone. A lot of people don't know that. I was there once and I was gone. So then I ended up uh, teaching and coaching at Willow Glen High School for a couple of years, two or three years. I got a job there. And Bob Gaylord, the great Bob Gaylord, the Bob Gaylord, uh, was hired by Phil to coach at, at, as an assistant. So Bob and I were always very, very close. When, when Bob was a senior, I was, a, I was, a, I was there as a, as, a, as a sophomore. I mean, we, we were always, always close. And, and afterwards, we talked all the time. Uh, he's been one of my best friends for forever and uh, still very close to him. And so Bob and I would always compare notes. And I said, you know, it, it, the, the whole thing. And then all of a sudden, the Dons weren't very good. There was a couple of years where they were really down. And uh, uh, after when Bob first got the job and, and he recognized right away that, like he always told me, he said, you, you know, we need a talent upgrade. We, we don't have enough enough athletes uh, to compete. And and now we're talking, you know, we're in the, in, in the 70s. We, ju we just don't have enough. So at that point, um, it, it was one year there in the early 70s when it was just going haywire. No games were being won. And Phil Bukisevich resigned. He resigned. And Bob was appointed uh, head coach. And, and uh, he had to completely uh, – in fact, the first game he coached again, he told me it was against Ray Meyer at DePaul. That was, that was, the, that was the first game they coached. He coached it. So – uh, they went on that year, and you know they didn't have very good year. It wasn't much. And then Bob, then Bob started recruiting better, and you know you know as well as I know how competitive Bob is, and uh, you know went from not winning any games to being the number one team in the country. Of course, with you and 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 Hardy and Boynes and Cox and all the great players that we had, but he was the architect of all that. He was the one that put it all together, and. Uh, when Bob first got the job, Bill McClintock, who was a tremendous player at California, was very close to the USF program, uh, was his assistant. And then after a couple of years, Bill did, did not want to do it anymore. And he, he said, it was of his own volition. Bill just said, I, I, I really would rather coach in junior college or I just, it, you know, it's not for me. And then that's when Bob brought me back. So Bob brought me back after Bill had left. So I went back for the second time. And, uh, and then, you know, kind of <clears throat> went on from there <clears throat> to the Bill Cartwright era 
where uh, everybody knows. But that that was kind of the how the pot was was stirred, <laughs> and and the ups and downs and and ins and out of how how that all happened. You know, I've I've always been amazed that uh, USF had had always until probably recently, which is probably the norm now, recruited recruited locally and had such great local talent with uh, Rastani and yeah. of course, Phil Smith. Of course. Maybe. How can I forget? I didn't mention that. And, and how remiss am I not to mention that? But when, when, Bob, when Bob got the job from Phil that next year, now we're talking, you know, early in the 70s. And, and, and that was, I should have mentioned that. Uh, he immediately, and, and his theory was, and he and I talked about it, let's try to get the best player locally that we can get and then pick our spots, you know, around the country or around the state where we can supplement that. So immediately he was after uh, Kevin Rasani. So Kevin was a star at Reardon, 6'8", real good shooter. Um, and, and he did a great, great recruiting job uh, with his mom and dad. Kevin, Kevin was adopted. Uh, and, and his mom and dad were wonderful people and wanted him to stay local. They really wanted to see him play. Now, that was before Bill, the ESPN, with all the games all around the country and all of that. So you, you're talking, you know, a long time ago. And that was a big factor. Alongside that, there was this 6'4 guy from Washington High School in San Francisco that wrote everybody when he graduated about giving him an opportunity to go to school and, and, and be on the basketball program, but he needed some financial help. He couldn't afford to go on his own. He wrote <clears throat> Cal's USF. He wrote a lot of school. USF responded. And uh, I remember the phone call vividly from Bob. When Bob Gaylord called me, he said, Dan, and at that time I was, I was coaching at Willow Glen. He said, Dan, I've got a guy here named Phil Smith, who was a 6'4 center at Washington High School, played for John McGrath, I'll never forget John, at, at Washington High School. And he said, Dan, this guy, this guy is, he's, he is really a great player. Nobody knows about him. And so he said, you got to come up and watch him. So I went up to the practice and I watched Phil with Kevin. I said, wow. You know, he was a center in high school, but he could handle the ball. He could bring the ball. And of course, Phil was a great, a great leaper. He, he was never a tremendous shooter. He developed that when he went to the NBA, developed this perimeter shot, but then became a good shooter. Uh, so those were the one, Eric Fernston from, from the Bay Area, Phil Smith, Kevin Rastani, John Burrow. Uh, uh, um, who am I forgetting? I mean, there, there are... There were a number of people, uh, Brad Quanstrom, there were a number of people that, that Bob recruited that were all local guys. And uh, he, would, he would pick his spots. He goes to the East Bay and gets the great Mike Quick. So now you've got Quick. And I think Quick was a, uh, he might've been a, a Castlemont guy or Oakland Tech, I'm not sure. But so you got Quick who could really shoot. And you got Phil Smith, 
uh, who's, who's a, who turns out to be an All-American at the guards, and one was 6'3", and one was 6'4", and now you've got Fernstead, you've got Rastani, you got all, you, you know, now, now you really, really have a good team. Now, now you're really, now you can play. So uh, that's how all that came about. And then building on that momentum came, came your era right after that, Bill. But uh, that's how Bob put it all together. But, but you're right. He really believed that if you, if you recruit locally, uh, you get the best player in your, in your area, uh, at least, you know, two of the best three, that you're always going to be very competitive because the Bay Area was always a good fertile recruiting area. And then go down south and, and get Howard Smith on that team. You know, Howard uh, out, out of the, played in the L.A. City League. Um, Richard Johnson, who played in the L.A., who passed away way, way too early. Richard passed early. Um, but you get, you get Howard Smith. You get Richard Johnson uh, from, from the L.A. City League. And then, and then you couple that with Phil and Quick and Rastani and Fernston and Boro and Quanstrom. And, you know, one thing and another, eight or nine guys now that can, that are, that can play with anybody. So that's kind of the story of how all that happened. Um, but that was the philosophy of Bob, which I, I always took with me. And any, anybody that I talk to now that asks me about recruiting, that's the first thing I say, you, you better have you better get the best or, or near the best player in your area all the time. If you can do that, you're going to be very good, especially if you're in a market like ours. Yeah, you mentioned some nice players there. Uh, I, 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 I mean, you know, <laughs> no, I'm not, um, because there were so many of them. I mean, people talk about our era, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Right. The guys who were there were, before I got there, they were amazing. Now, how did you guys end up getting uh, Byron Snake Jones? Oh, so there's another player, you know, you're going through this. There, there's another one that I totally forgot about. Of course, he, uh, Snake was, Snake was so instrumental in the success. So, uh, and he was, he was of the era, Snake was of the era of, of Kevin. And I knew I was missing somebody of, of, of Kevin Rossani and Phil Smith and, and all those guys. Yeah, so, too many guys. Huh? Too many guys, you had a time. But but was Snake an instrumental piece? So Snake Jones was from North Carolina, and Bob. The story goes, and and uh, and uh, you know Bob Gaylor could could give it to you exactly. But as I recall it, Bob was pretty close with an assistant coach at Minnesota. It's funny how all this happens, and and Snake was going to go. Uh, and I, I believe I believe Snake was at a at a junior college, community college. He was going to go to Minnesota. For some reason, they had a coaching change or something happened, and the head coach said, "No, I can't." We took somebody else. Didn't have a scholarship. Something happened where he could not go. To, so this assistant coach, Bob, was talking to him about another matter or something, and and he said, "You know, there's a guy in in." Uh, in North Carolina named Byron Jones. Uh, we were going to take him. He's 6'9". He can run. He can, you know, uh, Snake was not a great shooter, but was he athletic? You know, he was an athletic 6'9 that could run up and down the floor and, and uh, really cause you problems. And so Bob followed up on him. It was a follow-up. 
uh, got a hold of Snake and, and had him come out for a visit. Uh, and, and he loved it out here. And, and as it, everything turned out, he married Phil Smith's uh, sister, right? Yeah. As everything turned out. So uh, that, that's, and I thought Snake was a major, major part of our success. So even before you arrived with all your accolades and success, you know, when you had Snake and Phil Smith and Quick and, and Fernston and Bastani and all of these guys, you had, you had a, a really a tremendous basketball team. Now we're in a national spotlight. Now we're, we're nationally ranked. Now people know about us. Um, and in those years, Bill, uh, when I was when I was with Bob, we could bring uh, and you came down. In fact, when you were at El Grove, we would bring high school teams down to play the preliminary game. We, by the way, we, I, I thought that was that was another really good idea of Bob's. And he and I sat there and I said, well, there's nothing wrong with that. If they want to come down and play, that's not against the rules. If they want to schedule uh, McClymans and come down and El Grove McClymans and play play a, a, the first, there was no freshman team, of course, the freshman team had gone away. By then, why not? You know, and those were were really uh, not only recruiting tools, but uh, great for the fans because they got to see, like yourself, top player. You see Bill Cartwright here playing in a preliminary game. You know, so uh, but that was that was Bob's idea also. You know, it's how, how strange how things have evolved, but uh, but that's what he did. That that's what we did. We tried to we tried to stay ahead of the time, and and uh, I remember doing big things tank stuff with Bob and Bob always had a bad back and he would lay lay on in his office on the ground and we would sit there and just try to think of ways that we could be competitive recruiting wise and and, and to to get top players and uh, you know those were the great years we were young and we were you know we just thought you know we thought we could do anything you know so <laughs> it's it kind of fun it was a lot of fun so I get there in 76. Yeah. And, you know, we have some pretty good years. I remember my first year we lost to Pepperdine uh, in the, um, I did not win the, the conference, but we did play in the NIT, which, right. which didn't turn out to be too good. But, uh, but it was a great experience. But then we won, um, you know, the league every other year after that. But my senior year, um, Bob leaves, and then now you're the, it goes. So what, what was that like Yeah. to, to, to now be the head coach? Uh, what different responsibilities did you have? Yeah, there's a lot of different responsibilities, of course. I, you know, I think Bob at that point was just burned out a little bit. I mean, he didn't leave, you know, he, 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 he took everything. It, it's, it's, there's a, you live and die every game. And of course you, the, the ones you lose, you remember a lot more than the ones you win, you know, Bill, you coach, you know, so you, you, you get it. And I remember I was with Bob at the NCAAs and uh, I don't think a lot of people know this, that he, uh, I know he was offered the Purdue job uh, after he left. I know he was, uh, I think Fred Schaus was the athletic director and I, and, uh, but Bob just, he, he, he just didn't want to coach anymore, you know, for a while. I think he needed, a, he needed like two or three years to kind of just kind of lay back, get back, kind of regenerate himself and, and then get back into it. But I, he had opportunities after that. But so to answer your question, yeah, it was, it was, um, 
you know, I thought I was ready for it. I, I didn't, you know, I learned a lot from Bob. I learned, you know, uh, as we always said, make it simple. Don't make it too complicated. Uh, if you've got great players like, like we did, um, you, you know, kind of revolve it around them and make the game as easy as possible. And one thing I, you know, I kind of wish, I remember going to the league meetings and, and, and trying to bring up the suggestion of uh, a shot clock. And um, now there was no, there was no three point line, but uh, the shot clock was something that I really, really tried to try to uh, put into the West Coast Conference rules, you know, just, just to try to speed up the game a little bit. And my, my suggestion at that time was to put a shot clock in the last five minutes, the last five minutes of the game, you had to have like a, you know, 30, 35 second shot clock or whatever it was, but you couldn't go out and hold the ball and, and stall. I remember when, you know, when you were playing, I remember playing at Stanford and they stalled and stalled and stalled and, 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 and kept the ball at half court. And here you are going out trying to play defense at, at half court against the center and they had no no intention of shooting the ball, but they tried to shrink the game. So, um, you know, I, I tried doing that, but I was I was unsuccessful. Then all of a sudden, you know, after I left a few years later, you know, here comes the shot clock, here comes the three point line, and uh, it, I would have I would have completely changed my mode in terms of coaching. You know, it it it, it you know it it doesn't all revolve around around you know having uh, everybody with size, you know, now you really, really need shooters. You need to be good in the open court. You need to do a lot of different things. So, um, yeah, it, 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 it was, uh, it was different in that you had to make all the decisions. And, uh, and what happens is, and as you know, when you coach Bill, that the fact is you're not going to make everybody happy. I mean, it's just the way it is. I mean, I, I, I wish you could, but when you start five guys, there's probably five sitting on the bench that think that they're better than the five that are starting. And I understand that, but you have to, you have to make the call. And, and then, you know, the, the one thing I regret is I think I would have, as the years would have gone on, you gain experience by doing it after, after you do it for three or four or five years, you know, you gain maturity that never happened with me, but you gain maturity and development and and you you build a a, a nice flow of uh, of recruiting, and you're able to to continue recruiting well, and uh, kind of like what's happening at Gonzaga, kind of like the mode of success year in and year out, where now your 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 school name is so public that when you contact uh, a recruit, they've heard of you, they know you, they know you're good, they know they know other programs. Um, we always thought, by the way, a sidelight, that in order to be successful, you needed a 15,000 seat facility. We were wrong about that. We were wrong. Uh, back in the day, we thought facilities were critical. Now, they're important. There's no doubt they're important. No doubt. I mean, you got to have a practice facility. You got to. But but there's a lot of schools. I mean, take St. Mary's, for example. They've been good. They've been good for 20 years and playing a 3000 seat facility. Now, they get players from Australia. We know that, uh, but regardless, uh, it's it's been it's been really effective. And uh, Gonzaga, before they built their new place, yeah, you know, I mean, their place was not was was not a huge facility. So, 
I, you know, I was wrong about the facilities, uh, the, the way it has all evolved. So, you know, it, it, it was different and it was, yeah, I love coaching. I really did. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, what I've learned, Bill, is you kind of adapt as the years go on. Whatever, whatever you, you start doing, I got into broadcasting after I left USF, which filled a big void for me because it kept me involved in the game. Yeah, so you got my whole life history now. <laughs> well, I mean, you you were there at really, um, you know, a great time. And then uh, once Father Lowe made his decisions, which, of course, is still uh, could cause some pretty heated discussions. And I've, I've seen it and been in it, and I, I stay out of it. Uh, but uh, once once that mistake was made at school with Quinn Daly and Father Lowe made his decision, uh, unfortunately, you were right in the middle of that. Right, right. And I, I always had a great uh, relationship with, with with Quentin. You know, he he was uh, he went to Cardinal Gibbon in Baltimore, Maryland. Maryland. No one believes me when I say this, Bill, but I never watched him play a high school game. I never watched him play. I, I, I had an assistant coach, Mike Brown, who, who was very close to his guardian and said, hey, here, here's a guy we can get. And I remember John Thompson telling me years ago, Bill, hey, this guy's a heck of a player. He goes, uh, what did you have to do to get you? I said, I told John, he didn't believe me. He did not believe me. I said, I never watched him play. He goes, come on, you got to be, he, he said, I don't believe you. I never watched him play. So when he came out, I didn't know he was, that, I knew he was good. I, I knew he was a good player. But I never knew he was that good. You know, he, he was really, really good. And I and I I got along great with him. And I I one of my one of my uh, saddest uh, moments was all the whenever it went down with, with Quentin. I I was not there physically at the time. I that I had gone uh, the year. I wish I were there because I could have handled Quentin. Uh, he was never a problem. He was never a problem with me. Um, and as I said, he and I and my wife he used to come down, and and he was he, we were very close. Um, and, and I think I could have avoided a lot of that. I, I really believe in my heart if I, if I had been there, um, it, you know that 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 whole situation could, could have been different. You know, I I just feel that way. So. Yeah, yeah. Quinn Quinn was he was a good man and. Uh... I did have a chance to play against him. He was in Chicago. I was in uh, New York, and wow, was he a good? Was he a really, really good player? He was a real. He, he was really, he was really good. Um, you know, he got in. You, you know, I, what what happens is you really don't, as you well know, you when you're coaching, you can't be with everybody twenty four seven. You know, you, you you just can't. So you're hoping that, you know, people take care of their bodies right they take care of themselves I think everything is so much different now because you got to remember back in the day there was no no iPhones no internet <laughs> you know now now you you know if, if 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 you're not nice to somebody walking down the street if you don't say if somebody says hi bill and you don't say hello back somebody taking a video look Bill Cartwright's not very friendly well I mean that's just the way it is now but not in those years in those years it was not like that so uh, uh, that, but he was he would he was a special talent. 
and it's unfortunate the way it all it all ended. Um, so yeah, that was that. I, I still you're bringing me way back. I hadn't thought about it for a long time, but every time I do, you know, I've got I got real sad sad thoughts about the whole thing. Yeah, well, there's um, you know. Even when I was there, the guys who are not healthy, Chubby Cogs had a brain aneurysm. Right. Um, you know, James Hardy, not around anymore. Nobody can find one for points. Uh, right. Alan Thompson had a stroke, but he's back to like 80%. So, right. yeah. I mean, things just happen. And um, fortunately, most of the guys are, are just fine. But this is what I'm kind of curious about, because basketball was such a big part of your life, playing and coaching. Right. You seemingly made that transition fine to be able to move on to, to find another career. What was your mindset um, after you left? Okay, so after, after I left, which was a really hard time for me for, for I'd say, two years. It was really tough. Uh, um, you know, because... If you if you think about it, you're you're doing uh, you're, you're involved in coaching and teaching your your whole life, and all of a sudden it's gone. So you have to you have to adjust. And my wife was fantastic uh, during that time, and said, you know, uh, something will happen, something will happen. Just just hang in there. Uh, I'll tell you what I did, Bill. I got in great shape. I ran every day. I was you know running sometimes. But, will will uh, get your mind off things, but not every day. But well, I, I tell you what, I lost like 20 pounds. I, I, I felt really good and kept in touch with everybody. So there was a, there was somebody in San Francisco by the name of Pete Lombardo. And Peter was, uh, he would he would put local games on and, and he was involved in the uh, uh, Miss America pageant. Uh, his uncle was uh, Guy Lombardo, the famous Guy Lombardo, and, and Liebert Lombardo, who had, I believe was his dad, Liebert was in the band. So he was, you know, he, he was in the know in a lot of areas, but he had his office in San Francisco. He's a big sports fan, went to USF, by the way. And Peter and I have been friends forever. And uh, he grew up with Gravelli, me, Lombardo, and all these guys. So Peter, Peter was putting all these games together. He goes, hey, Dan. He always wanted to mic me on the on the sideline, you know, while you were coaching. I said, I don't think that's a great idea at that time because you never know what, you know, what anybody would say. So, yeah. So uh, he started to put together these games uh, and there was about a 12 game package. And at that time, you have to remember, uh, there, there wasn't all these packagers like, yes, um, ESPN was kind of starting to do their thing, but th th there wasn't any uh, uh, Pac-12 network or Big Ten network or, or all the Fox on TV, you know, none of that. So there was a lot of interest in that. And uh, he had the ability to sell uh, television time. You know, he would get a beer sponsor, a car sponsor. He would get all these sponsors. And then it, it was a business. And then he would, he would, you know, put it on a station, give the station their, their share, give the give the, you know, whomever he had to distribute the money to the teams and then he would keep the rest. So that, that it was a business and, and he was very successful. So he said, hey, would you be interested in 
uh, I'm going to hire a play-by-play guy. Would you be interested in doing color? And I said, well, I could try. I don't know. I, I've never done it before. And that's how I got started. So Peter was the one that really got me started. And uh, then it evolved from there that after I did that, uh, for uh, he, he did it for a couple, two, three years. And then all of a sudden, um, uh, I I got involved with the with the pack. Was it called the Pack Ten then? It wasn't Pack Twelve. It was Pack Ten. And I remember talking to Dave Maggart, who was the uh, athletic director at California. And uh, you know, Dave knew my history, knew everything. He goes, "No, I I heard you on the air. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm I'm fine recommending you. You know, so uh, Barry Tompkins was doing play by play for the Pack Ten in, in the seventies. They had and and they and they had. Now these packages, Lorimar and, and uh, all these, all these uh, Raycom Sports, uh, all these packagers starting putting, putting together uh, conferences and putting them on the air. Uh, Peter Lombardo was kind of still doing his thing, but, you know, as the years went on, he got pushed out a little bit because now everybody else was doing it and there wasn't enough names to put on. So that's how it happened. And then the Pac-10 uh, hired me and then I, I worked for them for like, I mean, for the, for these packages, Lorimar and, and, and Recom and, and then Fox. And then I did ESPN, all of that evolved for the next 25, 30 years, you know, that's kind of, and still doing it, you know, so that's right. And then after that, by the way, when I left, uh, when I was left USF, um, a friend of mine said, Hey, you know, have you ever, uh, considered, um, I got a friend of mine who owns a car dealership and they're looking for a finance director. And I said, Oh, well, I, I don't know nothing about that. Zero. So I said, just go down and talk, go down and talk. So, uh, uh, this is the owner of the, of the place that I'm still at, uh, 41 years, I'm for, over 40 years. I've been here at, at uh, uh, we're Porsche Burlingame, Audi Burlingame, we had a Rector Motor Car Company. So Jim and a, who's the owner, still the owner, uh, we were, you know, brought here. So, I, I was introduced to the finance area of a car dealership and uh, became a finance director and tried it out. I said, I'll try it. Uh, I went to school in Chicago uh, to learn about it. I went to school. They put me to school, and, which was odd, weird. I said, oh, this is not for me. I, when I was there, I said, it's not for me. And then I got back in the dealership and kind of got in the swing of things, kind of understood uh, that I could, you know, I could, you know, you, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a job, but you're dealing with, and basically what you're doing is you're coaching people. You're, you're dealing with salespeople and coaching them and, you know, working transactions and, you know, kind of sifting your way through all of that. So I ended up doing that. I ended up being a, a finance director and then later uh, the general manager, later vice president, later, later, you know, just of, of, a, of a car dealership. And at the same time, doing the basketball, you know, marrying all that together, which has been which has been a good marriage, uh, in that the owner allowed. First of all, he allowed me to do it. He said, "No, I understand you got to be gone," because uh, in the years, Bill, where where you know I was really doing a lot of games. I mean, there was there was three three games, three four games a week that that I would be going from here to here to here. I'd have to go to Washington to here to go to wherever you know so um yeah so that that that's that's kind of how it all happened it was it was really really good yeah that is pretty awesome and it, and it kept you in basketball 
Yeah, well, that that that's the key element. I thought I thought I would eventually get back to coaching. It, it never really happened. I never pursued it much. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, uh, wondering if if I should apply for certain situations, but uh, we really, you know, with the four kids and it, we really didn't want to move. We really did not want to go. Now, you know, I'm talking. 30 years ago, you know, it's a lot different than it is now. We, we love the Bay Area. We, we wanted to be here. And we, we just thought it was, you know, the best situation. But now, now it's completely different, you know. And, and by the way, you know, coaching was great then. You know, it was, it was really, but financially, it's certainly nowhere near how it is today. You know, uh, today it's, it's, it's uh, astronomical. Uh, what what everybody is making and good for them i think it's great but but the old guys like me that ran a long time ago uh, you know it, it, it you just look at it and i'm sure it's the same thing willie mays does you know who's my mind greatest baseball player of all time but i remember when willie mays signed for a hundred thousand dollars they thought a hundred thousand was a hundred million I can't imagine what Willie Mays would sign for today. I can't, I can't, yeah. you know, I mean, talk about a guy that would break the bank. He would break the bank. So, uh, but that was that. So, you know, and, and I'm sure in your case, it's the same way. And I knew you were, you, you know, number one draft pick and everything, but today what number one draft pick makes and what, what the NBA guys are making, it's just, it's just not a sight. And good for them. It's great. That's what the market bears. It's it's a different mindset now. Different mindset. The the NBA now is, is really a two contract league. So you sign your rookie contract. If, once you sign that next contract, you can pretty much be done if you want to be. Right. When you're 31. Yeah. The contract is so big. Yeah. It well, ends but to talk about your kids. My kids, uh, uh, four kids. I have uh, my oldest uh, two boys, uh, Lance and David, uh, and then I have Dana and Renee, my my uh, my two daughters. Uh, so I, I'm I'm blessed. I have four kids and 13 grandchildren. Wow. So, yeah. So I'm very blessed, they're, and uh, they're all wonderful kids. Uh, you know, my wife, who, as you know, Bill passed. Uh, uh, six months. It's been, all, it's been already six months since she passed away. Uh, but she did a great job raising all the kids, and we were always, you know, there. Um, my boys played basketball at, at uh, Saint Ignatius. Uh, my my, uh, I had three of my children. Uh, my oldest boy, Lance, went to Arizona during the heyday. He was at Arizona in, uh, I believe. Uh, in the 90s, well, they were they were really good, and and uh, when he was in Arizona, and uh, my other three children all went to UCLA, so they were very very fortunate to go to UCLA. No USF, but they 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 you know in those years they loved they loved LA and and uh, and had a chance to go there and they went. They they really enjoyed really enjoyed it. So uh, and then uh, thirteen grandchildren. Uh, all my kids are local. My, my youngest daughter is in London, uh, and she's been in London, but my other three and their kids are here. Uh, so I'm very fortunate to have family close to me and can visit them, talk to them, play with the kids and all that. So that, that's, uh, 
you know, my, my, my oldest works for a company called uh, Level 3. Um, my second son, David, is a uh, mortgage uh, uh, in mortgages for Wells Fargo. Uh, uh, so uh, my youngest daughter works for a uh, Google and my uh, oldest daughter just, uh, she's, she's raising her kids and uh, has, has a great uh, husband in, uh, in Whitney Potter and they live in uh, Marin. So she, she's doing fine. Well, Dan, thank you so much for being thank on. Uh, that, was, that was pretty awesome. Uh, I've always admired you. I've always appreciated you, especially uh, you know, when you, when you were my coach, uh, that was, that was fun. It was a good time. We had a great time, Bill. Yeah. Yeah. We won a lot of games. We won a lot of games. <laughs> and, uh, one little sidelight, you know, cause one of the highlights of my, you know, of all my coaching was, you know, coaching you, you know, I've always said that you were the easiest guy to coach in the sense that you were just tough as nails and you, all you wanted to do was win. You had a great attitude. You were a leader and a fabulous player. So I'm sitting before we played UCLA, and it, it still bothers me to this day that we lost that game because we had just beaten BYU and in, in, in the, the reach. And you know, by the way, the trivia question, Bill, was when's when's the last time when's the last time USF has won a NCAA tournament game? And of course, I believe this is correct was when we beat BYU when you were a senior. Remember, we beat them in Provo. Yeah. All that? Yeah, yeah. And we beat them pretty good. We beat them by about 18 points. Remember a guy named David Cornelius? Remember Cornelius? Yeah. Who played really well. He came off the bench and played well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was that your year? That was your year, wasn't it? Yeah. No, actually... My senior year, I think we beat North Carolina. Oh, okay, okay. I, I could be off one year. I we, could be off one year. Yeah, we beat we beat North Carolina. It was you know what? It was the Guy Williams year. It might have been the year after you. But you're right. We did use lose the UCLA, but but we had a good team. We had Chubby was on that team. Yeah. Had Doug, Doug Jamison was on that team. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Doug Jamison was a tremendous player. Yeah, yeah, and I still, I still talk to all these guys. Doug is still exactly the same. Marvin Deloach is the same. Bart Bauer is the same. Oh yeah, Bart. Uh, Eric Gilberg is still around. Um, See, I, I think maybe that was the year after because I remember Bart Bowers playing really well in Provo when we won that when we beat BYU, uh, and uh, and then and then we lost we lost our next game uh, to UCLA, but. Uh, uh, I, I remember in your when when you were a senior, I thought had we been able to beat UCLA, we would have played DePaul. And DePaul with Mark Aguirre, I don't know if you remember that, but Aguirre played, and I didn't think anybody could guard you in that game because they didn't have a they, they had good guards, but they didn't they didn't have a, anybody big. And you might have gone for 50 in that game. So uh, but you know, th those were just memories going all the way back. It was a lot of fun. But coaching you was, was fantastic, you know. And, uh, you know, this is one of the highlights of uh, that. I was lucky. I was lucky to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah.
Yeah, well, we all were. We had, uh, yeah. Great coaches and uh, we had great teammates.